bright spot at running back on offense. Jalen Hurd is back, but but Jonathan watching him play. So I'm going to go through a list right here. Kamara's out two to four weeks. Hurd, the other running back, I don't know how healthy he really is. Jalen Reeves Maven, a senior linebacker, 2015 All-SEC performer, went out against Ohio. He's out for the season. I mean, huge loss to Tennessee right off the bat. You have Khalil McKenzie out with a out for the season with a torn pectoral muscle. I mean, how do you, you you miss him at defensive tackle? He's a huge part. And then you have Sapp, torn ACL out for the season. He was made, playing a major role at linebacker. Let's see. The list goes Cameron Sutton, probably one of the biggest. Uh, no timetable and fractured ankle against Ohio. He's a first-round draft pick. Darren Kirkland, high ankle sprain, no timetable. He's a all-SEC freshman with 66 tackles last year, was injured in the Week 2 Virginia Tech game. Jalen Hurd, we know he missed the Texas A&M game, and uh, he returned for Bama for 13 carries, 28 yards. Dylan Wiseman, concussion, missed the Bama game. I mean, it's just Cortez McDowell, concussion. Malik Foreman, he's out. he was out for Alabama. I don't know really how far out he's going to be. Alvin Kamara, we just talked about. So think about those names I just mentioned. You take all those players, and they're healthy, and they're playing right now. I think the worst-case scenario, they have one loss. I think the best-case scenario, of course, they're undefeated. That's a lot to overcome playing Texas A&M and Alabama the way they did, even Georgia and Florida. But the list keeps growing and growing. And what I want to ask you is looking at that schedule that I told you is remaining, is there a team that could slip up? and beat Tennessee, because I didn't list, I listed 10 names there, 10 major players off of the team, of their 18 earning starters. There's there's 10 names I just mentioned. At South Carolina, Tennessee Tech, Kentucky, Missouri, and Bandy. So there are two games at South Carolina and at Bandy. You got Tennessee Tech, Kentucky, Missouri, Johnson. I think they went out, but it's a wrong conclusion. I mean, they went out if Dobbs doesn't completely just melt down uh, in one of these games. But, you know, looking at it, I don't think they lose to South Carolina or Tennessee Tech or Kentucky. Uh, you know, that game against Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt's calling card is stopping the run. So, yeah, you're going to have to be able to throw the ball on them. Uh, and then, um, I mean, Missouri's terrible. You know, so I, I give them – a 99.9% chance of winning out. Now, you know, my thing, I look at these injuries, and my thing is if they show up for the first half against Appalachian State and against Ohio, most of these guys aren't, you know, they don't get hurt because those are the games that a lot of these guys got nicked up and sustained their injuries, and a lot of those injuries were in the second half because they were still out there because somebody decided not to show up for a half of football. So, you know, bad coaching will lead to your guys getting hurt, whether people want to admit it or not. That's a good point about these guys were playing four quarters of overtime against Appalachian State. Virginia Tech, Virginia Tech jumped out to a 14 to nothing lead, but Tennessee destroyed them. Ohio, they didn't get close until Tennessee scored a go-ahead in the fourth. 
Florida down 21, or I think it was 17 or 21, Georgia down 17. There was no rest for any of the players. And uh, I think that's a good point that nobody's really brought up. So great point bringing that up. But I just, I just wonder what they're going to take for Tennessee. They're going to win the East, I think. What's it going to take for them to be competitive in that SEC championship game? How many of those players laid back? Because Tennessee was building death back. They don't, they don't have to have a lot of death. Alabama, if that happens, you know, their third and fourth stringers are, are pretty good. Tennessee's first two teams are real good. But then you start having to deal with the death of third and fourth strings and if you even say fourth string anymore. But I think another recruiting class or two and Bus Jones would have that, but they're not there yet, Jonathan. And that's what that's what worries me about the rest of the schedule. Somebody can sneak up, even on the road in the SEC Cup at South Carolina and Vanderbilt. It's just if you're not on your A game and they don't start playing in the first half, I think they're vulnerable. I'll give them a an eighty percent chance to win out, and and that's not playing the first half. That's all they have all year. But if they complete four quarters, I think it's guaranteed they're going to win, even with those backups playing. If they play hard for four quarters, they should win. Yeah, I mean, at the you know, if they make it to that SEC championship game, if they get lucky enough that Florida uh, gets them that opportunity, um, I, I think. One of the things that Tennessee's going to need is everybody who can come back from injury has to come back. You know, obviously some of these guys are done for the year. They're not going to be able to make a comeback at all. We'll, we'll see them next year. But, you know, there, there's a good number of these guys where, um, and, you know, if they have to come back, they have to be actually healthy and be able to help this team out in that game, you know, because like you said, depth is obviously an issue. And, you know, people talk about Bama's four deep. Well, Bama's four deep talent-wise, but you honestly think Saban wants to go to his third stringers? Nobody wants to play their third stringers. No. Uh, so, you know, th- 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 there obviously is a talent separation between this team like Alabama and Tennessee. But from a, pr- but from a standpoint of uh, do they actually know what the hell they're doing there right now? Yeah, well, that offensive line and secondary. You have corners and safeties that, you know, it's easy to get out of position if you're not. I mean, they're missing first round top talent on this game. That's going to be like taking off from the type of defense that's good at here, taking them out almost, and putting backups in, taking two of the offensive line and just throwing them around. Auburn would be so bad that in that way they could be competitive. Um, I think Tennessee's best bet to win the SEC this year is to end up playing Auburn or LSU, even Texas A&M again. But if they play Alabama and they don't have most of these players back, I just I think it would get uglier than what it got the other day because you put Alabama that team speed on turf against a, a team with a lot of injuries. I think Alabama could do it again. And I'm not ready to annoy Alabama SEC champions just yet either, like like a lot of people are. But I just wanted to hit on Tennessee to start with. They're off this week, killing up, getting ready for South Carolina. That could be their toughest game. Uh, you know, after going through that kind of problem, how hungover do they come? You know, some teams, after a bye, they're stagnant. It takes them a half to get played. 
Tennessee doesn't play until the next half. I think this is a dangerous game for Tennessee on October 29th in South Carolina. I do. Because of the bye you Finally, you get the rest, and can you get these players back going at 100%? That's, that worries me a little bit. I think they'll win. I think they're favored in every game they play from here on out by double digits. But never underestimate these because they're piling up at Tennessee. But I just want to throw that out there. Florida will lose again. Uh, let's go ahead and say that. That's going to happen. They're going to lose at least twice. They will lose at Arkansas, and they will lose at LSU for the SEC. That'll give them three losses, which which kind of gives Tennessee another game to lose in the East, doesn't it? Yeah, but I hate that Georgia's lost three. You know what? I, I, I hate that, you know, when it's like, oh, well, they can, they can afford to lose a game. Yeah, but what team is sitting there going, guys, we're going to afford to lose this one. Don't worry about it. It's okay. We can lose. No, no, no. Let's not go undefeated. Let's not go for the best record imaginable. No, no, no. We can lose this week, guys. So let's lose. Let's drop in the rankings because that's what everybody wants to do. No, but sometimes you have – I mean, you have to look at it when when you don't have a full deck of cards. You know, you have to – you have to look at it like if Florida loses to Arkansas and LSU, which they should, George, see, Tennessee, the big thing about their losses, they were in the West, which means well, they I mean, have the tiebreaker over. Tennessee is playing five teams coming up that have never had a full uh, deck of cards. I mean, you know, Tennessee's <laughs> backups, Tennessee's third stringers are more talented than most of South Carolina. Most of Kentucky and most of Missouri, you know, I mean, so they can't afford to lose any of these games because here's where we're at in this season. Here's where we're at. Who's your potential one-loss at-large bids for the playoff? Louisville? Look at their schedule and tell me what's really impressive. So you beat Florida State, you lose to Clemson, you beat Houston. Is that Houston win actually that good? We'll find out. Um, uh, Michigan. Let's say they have one loss. We lost Ohio State. Who'd you beat? Colorado? Wisconsin? Or if it's Ohio State, who'd you beat? Oklahoma? Wisconsin? Yeah. So, so, you know, so a two loss. Well, Tennessee's in play with two losses if they win the SEC championship game. Because originally it's all, no two-loss conference champs going to get in. But would I rather have a Tennessee team with two losses that came back and beat Bama for the title, right? Or would I rather have a Louisville team that lost to Clemson but didn't beat nobody else? Tennessee would go. But let me ask you this. Tennessee, they they play Alabama in the SEC championship. Bama's undefeated. Tennessee beats a touchdown in the SEC championship game, which one of them goes to the playoffs. I think – Tennessee would because Tennessee actually beat the team that beat them, but they won the conference. That's what matters the most. And they have some quality wins on that schedule. Yeah, I mean, I I would say uh, Tennessee. I mean, because here, you know, I would say Tennessee because they won the conference championship game. And I think at the end of the day, we look at that and say, well, there's the end all be all. Now, obviously, it's it's a unique situation in which these teams will play each other twice in the season. Um, which looking at years past, we know usually doesn't work out for the team that won the first time. Uh, but hey, I want to make a point about Alabama really quick. 
Remember when Nick Saban said that we shouldn't be doing this hurry up up tempo offense? It's not good for football. And everybody, everybody yep. uh, went after him. And remember, it was during that stretch where up tempo offenses killed Nick Saban because he didn't win back to back championships. What's Nick running right now? Nick Saban's running the offense that he railed against. And his response to everybody telling him, piss off, old man, was, oh, wait till you see a bunch of four and five stars run this because y'all don't feel sorry. That's what happened. Indians are going to the World Series. The World Series. The Cleveland Indians are going to the World Series. Well, Cleveland just swept Toronto. Breaking news, Cleveland beats Toronto 3 nothing in Game 5. They've won the American League pennant, and they are going to the World Series. And they will host Game, four, game right? 1 of the World Series. That was Game 5. Oh, right, Toronto won Game 4 right. yesterday. You're right. You're right. I forgot yesterday. Yesterday was a blur to me for other reasons. But, yeah. Yesterday didn't wow. exist. So Cleveland made it, and it looks like to me, if I was a betting man, I would bet on the Dodgers. Uh, Chicago oh, looks man. like Toronto if they're trying to hit a curveball. Uh, I mean, but anyway, let's let's get back to football, and we'll come to baseball. But yeah, I, I value. And one thing about Tennessee is, if the committee is looking at it, just say Tennessee gets. 80% of these guys back, 70%, and they run it. You have to look at that Alabama and Texas A&M loss with, okay, guys, these guys are missing all these players. Now they're back. They're hot. They've won six or so in a row. They beat Alabama, the team that demoralized them. I want them in the playoff because I, I know Alabama will say, well, we've already beat them. That's our first loss. But I'm like, you know what? You didn't win your conference. And based off the committee over the – uh, the two years, it's been conference champion getting in every time. So if they come back with some rule and let Alabama in, they're going to have a lot of explaining to do. Paul Feinbaum said yesterday that had Ole Miss beaten Arkansas last year, Ole Miss won the SEC with a 11 and two record. That one loss Alabama would have gotten in. That's that's wrong. Ole Miss would have won and moved on to the to the playoff. Do you agree with that or disagree? Uh, yeah, but some, some well, I mean, he might already know this, but somebody told Feinbaum he's an idiot because uh, if Ole Miss beats Arkansas and they win the SEC championship, then how the hell are you going to put Alabama ahead of them? Who did Alabama lose to? What was their only loss last year? Oh, it was Ole Miss. Oh. I mean, come on. But what about the Memphis game? Uh, things happen. Whoops. Yeah. I mean, Ole Miss beat Alabama, beat Florida in a rematch. They got they got the equalizer because they would have played Florida for the SEC title. They beat Florida, so wipe that away. Good you point. beat Bama and Bama. Yeah, you lost to Memphis. Whoops. Oops. Okay, that's what I look at that. That's that's an oops to me. All right, it happens. <laughs> so. I mean, I mean, this is why Feinbaum, though, can be – there are times where I listen to Feinbaum and I go, you know, this man knows what he's talking about. And then there's other times where I go, oh, my goodness, dude, really? 
Like, is Nick Saban your daddy or something? Dude, come on, man. I mean, he he would bow down and and kiss Saban's feet if he had a chance to. He would polish his shoes. He would probably chauffeur him around. I've never seen someone with a man crush like that. I mean, that I've never in my life seen someone that if Nick Saban walked up and slapped him across the face, he'd turn the other cheek and ask him to hit him again and then tell everybody about it. Uh, yeah, oh, fine, Bob. If you've seen him in person, he's about five, five, about 60 pounds, and he walks around eating carrots. He's never had a protein in his life. He never, he's never eaten steak, hamburger, anything like that. So can't stand <laughs> the guy. But you ready to – you ready to break down some football games for the weekend coming up? We got some, you know, oh, a, yeah. it's a big weekend, but I want to start out with uh, Bama and A&M. That's where I'm starting. And uh, Vegas is looking like the line's 18, 18 and a half points right now. And that's what I want to talk about a little bit. So you're telling me that an A&M team rested up, they rested up, they've got a week off, they're undefeated, they've got a good resume, you're giving them 18 points against Alabama? Give me those points. I may be crazy. I may be crazy. Give me Texas A&M at 18 points if I'm betting this game because Alabama, number one, they don't play well in Tuscaloosa compared to on the road for some odd reason. Um, This quarterback is good and everything, but I think A&M has the right kind of speed and they're healthy if – What's the what's the defensive end's name uh, for A and M if he's healthy? Miles Garrett. Miles Garrett. Miles Garrett can can put a stop to any kind of passing game, rushing game. A and M has enough speed on defense. Now, where I worry is if Alabama decides to rush physical. I don't know if that offensive line's there yet. There's still question marks around Alabama, and Tennessee was playing depleted. I get that. I know that the A and M's playing with a week off fresh. They have a quarterback that can that can run and throw. That has beaten Alabama in the Sugar Bowl a few years back with Oklahoma. This is a team that's got some weapons on the outside. Alabama special teams is not that good. A and M has a kicker. I think Vegas is jumping the gun on this one. A little emotion involved. They have to put it up this high because they don't want everybody in the world taking Bama and getting one-sided. The only thing they could do is put it at 18 and hope people uh, – or they put it at 16 and a half and people have already pushed it to 18. I think, to me, if I'm betting man, Kevin Sumlin knows how big this game is. It's been a while since A&M's been right here, but in the years past they've crumbled right here. Is this the year they get over the hump, Jonathan? That's the key. This line, you can throw it out the window. It doesn't matter. Is A&M ready to answer the call? right now on the road in Tuscaloosa. Well, you know, if A&M didn't need seven Tennessee turnovers to win that game in overtime, this line would be like seven. You know that. If A&M didn't thoroughly get outplayed by Tennessee, this line would be seven. But A&M got their ass handed to them by Tennessee – and by by the gods called Fumble Luck, won that game. So, this line is right about right. I've been stealing on it all week. When you first brought it up Sunday, I was like, whoa, that's a huge number. Where did that come from? And then I, th- I thought about it. I thought, I go, 
Bama just thoroughly handed Tennessee their ass on a platter and said, you ain't ever going to beat us again. And then A&M, no, Tennessee's better than A&M. Tennessee outplayed them. I know we don't like using transit of property too much in football, but, you know, when you look at that and you compare that, I, I see it. And I think Alabama's going to roll A&M. I'm laying the points. They're going to roll them. Yeah. Well, and I'll tell you this about A&M. And, and, you know, we were a three-point favorite over A&M, and I feel like we should have won that game. That we just – the four three and outs we went in a row where we had a chance to take the lead. You put A&M and Auburn again and play that game, Auburn wins by a touchdown easy. Easy. And I'm, I'm feeling confident about that. Maybe you're right. I mean, Tennessee had 700 yards, seven turnovers, down 28 to seven, still come back, put the lead in overtime, only to fall short on an interception there at the end. So now going to Tuscaloosa, A&M, the only thing I feel like they can't do is stop the run. I don't feel like they can. And that, that game could get ugly. And I think a lot of people look at rankings when they bet. They look at, okay, A&M's number five or six. Wow, number six, I'm getting 18 points and number six, I've got to take it. But there is a mismatch in this game, and we'll talk about another mismatch in a little while. But I'm going to take Alabama to win. I, I would be surprised if A&M went into Tuscaloosa and beat them, but crazier things have happened. But I still don't trust this quarterback all the way to hurt for Alabama. He hasn't been in, you know, it's like you date someone for a year, you've got to see him in all seasons. Well, I need to see a, I need to see a quarterback throughout an entire season to be able to judge him. And so far, you know, Bama played Arkansas, gave up 30 points against Arkansas, and we'll talk about them in a few minutes. They they went to Ole Miss, got down 24-3. to Alabama's beatable, but it's, you have to turn the ball over. They have to turn the ball over. You can't allow touchdowns. Let's remember the Tennessee game is a punt return for a touchdown, interception return for a touchdown. I still say the the running back got held, which enabled the, the interception to be ran back for a touchdown. But maybe you're right, Jonathan. I'm going with Alabama, but I haven't decided yet on the 18. I'm going to take it today. If I was doing it today, I would take it. So you're going to take Alabama and lay the 18, right? Yeah, yeah, I think this game – because right. until somebody forces Bama to throw the ball, I don't think we're going to see the side of Jalen Hurts we're all afraid of. Well, we'll see. And, and Tom Luganville yesterday said that Bama's best chances to lose, he feels two teams that can beat Alabama is LSU and Baton Rouge and Auburn in the Iron Bowl. Yes. So we'll see. I'm not ready to – to avoid Auburn SEC champions just yet, but we'll see. Uh, I want to talk about Auburn the game after this next one, though. We have Ole Miss. Here's a three-loss team that's talented that, that they can beat anybody on any given day. Going to Baton Rouge, a 9 o'clock Eastern kick. Ed Ordron's got this team rolling. They're scoring in the 40s a game now all of a sudden. Ole Miss, the wheels are coming off. Is the LSU game, Jonathan, the game, you know, the wheels are coming off in the process. Is this the game where the 
where the bus crashes, the wheels come off, it's over with. I think LSU wins, and they could blow out Ole Miss in this game because I don't know how much fight Ole Miss has left in them after that third loss. I really don't. I think LSU wins, and I think Coach O does them dirty. Like, I, I, I think we're going to see, like, oh, hey, look, it's the fourth quarter, LSU's up 35, and he just threw a Hail Mary. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I think LSU rolls this one, takes care of minutes, and just puts an absolute whooping on Chad Kelly, leaves the game in the third quarter because he just can't play no more. He's so disgusted with the rest of his team's effort kind of a game. Like, this just – this is not set up well for Ole Miss. You had a real tough loss on the road last week. Now you get to go to Baton, you know, you get to go to Baton Rouge to go up against a coach that don't like you, go up against a team that don't like you, in a in a stadium that's gonna hate you. I mean, what are you playing for? Remember, that's a Pride? team. That's a team What's that Ole Miss fired? playing for? Right, Right. So you know, that's why I said he's gonna dial up Hell Marys in the fourth quarter. Like this, this man's going—he's going for the throat and ripping it. So if you're—I mean, honestly, if you're Ole Miss at this point, the players are looking around, going, "We're not going to the Year's Six Bowl. Uh, we're uh, we're not playing for an SEC championship. Uh, what are we playing for? Let's get let's get the six wins. Let's beat Mississippi State and move on. I, I think that's literally what their season's going to come down to at this point. Get your six wins so you go bowling. Beat Mississippi State because. I mean, who doesn't want to do that uh, if you go to Ole Miss? And that's it. That There's your season in a nutshell, yeah. you know? You know, a few weeks ago I was looking at the uh, Oxford at Ole Miss game for Auburn, and I was like, wow, that's going to be real tough to go in there. But now looking at their defense has just – something's happened to Ole Miss. They can't tackle. They can't stop anybody. And I think it's effort now. I think you're starting to see – you saw the two losses, the defense, how bad it's gotten – Let's see how bad it's gotten against LSU because LSU is not a great offensive team. Fournette's coming back, which is bad news for Ole Miss. They can't tackle. They're not stopping the run, and they don't like to be played physical with. Well, this is going to be – this could be ugly. And doesn't that give Auburn a lot better shot next weekend in Ole Miss? Even though that game's in Oxford, if they lose four games before Auburn rolls in, how much effort can they get in practice next week to get ready for Auburn? And we'll talk about them next, but I think the wheels come off after this game for Ole Miss. I think you're right. They do get that they get that sixth win, maybe seven. They do beat Mississippi State. And I think they're looking at it right now and they're like, We could beat Mississippi State on a bad day. So really there's no motivation to get better, really. I I just don't see Hugh Freeze being that type of coach they can motivate this kind of player. These are not hard-working two- and three-star players that are playing for pride. These are divas. These are guys that are about to get the Ole Miss football program put on the death penalty, Hugh Freeze and company. So <laughs> the line is six right now. LSU's favorite is six. And lay I would lay six right now all day long. Yeah, lay those points. All right, the next one, SEC West. This is SEC West weekend. This is like a the the premier SEC West. I mean, there's a triple header. We got Auburn at home off a of bye week against Arkansas. Everybody's talking about how great Arkansas is. Arkansas is getting ten points in Auburn right now, and they just don't make mistakes in week seven. What do they see, Jonathan, that we don't in this game? I think 
I think it's uh, the gauntlet that Arkansas has played so far. The fact that Auburn's clicking on all cylinders appears to be the week off is about worth three or four points in this game, I bet. So I thought it would be three or four. The line's ten. What do you see here? Well, I see a uh, an Auburn defense that's the best in the SEC. Um, and I, I also see – Oh, yeah, Ar- Ar- Auburn's got the best defense in the conference. There's no doubt about it. Auburn has the – Oh, yeah. Are you kidding me? How, how many points in yards did Bama give up to, to Arkansas? 30? 400 yards passing? Mm-hmm. Like, really, I, I – I think Auburn has the best defense in this conference, and while I watch it, I think Alabama secondary is opportunistic. But it's like that. All right, so the New Orleans Saints in 2009, right? That wasn't a great defense, but they scored 10 touchdowns. You know what I mean? Like, they're opportunistic. They, They look for the turnovers, they get them, and they score. That's the amazing thing. Auburn just sets you down. That's all they do is just shut you down. Auburn's like, no, nah, we're not even going to give you a chance to get across this field. We don't want to play this game tonight. Go home. All right, so, no, I think Auburn's got a really da- daggum good defense. I love that defense right now. Um, I think Auburn offensively is coming together. I-, I like the progress we've seen. I think Arkansas's defense is not very good. Um, and I think uh, Arkansas's going to be a little beat up. They've been playing a gauntlet. Like you said, it's been a tough run for them. Um, but – I mean, that line seems a little high. I would like it to be more around a touchdown. But I, I think Auburn wins this week because I, I think Auburn can shut down Austin Allen, at least limit him to, to less than 350 yards, less than 300 yards. Because Arkansas don't run the football. So they're going to be one-dimensional because they are. Yeah, I, I look at this game, and, and I, I've watched Arkansas secondary. It's it's questionable. Let's not forget they're missing one of their best. I think it's a, a safety that's suspended for the first half due to targeting in the in the second half against Ole Miss. I look at their secondary and I think that they're slow. Okay, I think their defense overall is slow. Auburn's running a fast-paced tempo, fresh, coming off a bye. I think the secondary, given Shaw White time the offensive line, he's going to pick them apart in that secondary. Not to mention the the steam. I mean, the steamboat coming down the middle. You know, the, the Mr. Petway coming up, running for a couple hundred yards on this tired defense. And I think the game will be pretty close in the first half. I think Auburn may be up by three or four in the halftime. But I think after that, the second half, the, the offense will take over, be able to score some points, and win this game by 18 points. That's what I think. Something like. 38, well, I don't, I don't know. I think about between 17 and 21 is where Auburn ends this game. And I know people are going to take those 10 points because Arkansas just beat Ole Miss. Um, but A&M destroyed Arkansas, if you remember that game. I know they fumbled into going into yeah. the end zone, but A&M just out-physicaled Arkansas. So if A&M out-physicals you and Auburn's game is playing physical, up front. I just think uh, Allen, the quarterback for Arkansas, is a freshman. You know, both of those games he played against Alabama and Ole Miss were at home. The game against A&M was in a neutral site. So this is his first true, true road game, isn't it? I mean, this is the first time he's going to see a hostile crowd at night. 
And I think people aren't factoring that in either. Right. I mean, no, th- this is huge because Auburn at night obviously is a great crowd. I mean, if 6 o'clock starts, actually really good. Because you've had a good part. It's not 8 o'clock. At 8 o'clock, you're kind of like, okay, this game needs to start. At 6, you- you've actually got a good tailgate in. Um, and you can see, you know, not now, you know, Auburn fans <laughs> are really going to be jazzed. They're really going to be jazzed. Um, you know, Arkansas's only true road game was TCU. And that's not exactly a hostile environment or a good team. So this is Allen's first, I think, true it's his it's his first true road test. It's his first conference test on the road. Um and, and he's going up against the best defense in the conference. I think he's gonna have a hard time. Now, that being said, he's the best quarterback in this conference. Wow. Better than John Franklin that's heard. <laughs> just barely, just barely. All right. <laughs> I don't think he's – well, I mean, he's, he's – I'll give you this. He's the toughest quarterback in the SEC. This guy has taken a beating week in and week out, and he keeps coming. I mean, you got to cut his head off, I think, Johnson. That's what Auburn needs to do, cut his head off get him a concussion early and get him out of there because the guy doesn't quit. That's what's scary about Arkansas is they're down all of a sudden and they never stop. You get a two-touchdown lead, they keep coming. They keep coming. And uh, I'll tell you one thing that Auburn has on a lot of teams out there, and that's special teams. Um, being able to be a field goal range when you when you cross midfield is something that a lot of teams – remember the other day I put that post in Facebook about – how these coaches aren't recruiting kickers anymore, how important they are. People just don't value kickers like I do. I mean, just think about how valuable it is to to be able to kick a field goal from the 40 instead of having to punt to take a delay game and punt. You can actually score three points. I mean, Auburn beat LSU by kicking six field goals, didn't they? I mean, three plus three plus three plus three plus three, you keep doing that, it adds up to points, especially if you have a good defense. If you don't have a good defense, that's not going to do you much good. But being able to kick field goals and having a good defense is great when it comes to SEC football. Oh, no, no, no there's, there's no doubt about that. And I I don't know if teams aren't recruiting kickers as much as I just think kickers have gotten worse. You know, there's not a lot of kicking coaches out there, which is asinine to me. That would be a very good market. Um, and, and, you know, it, it's something that we've seen where – like Florida State goes out and goes and gets two of the top kicking recruits in the nation. They're both freshmen. We're going to have struggles. We get that. You're not going to get a while his freshman year every time. But you see some of these schools, like Alabama, do y'all just avoid, like, you just avoid kickers? You're like, oh, we don't need them. I mean, really? Like, well, what, what's your plan then, Nick? You know you need them. It comes back and bites you all the time. Um, you know, now looking at Arkansas, here, here, here's the dandy of their schedule, right? Because we talk about how they're probably going to beat up for this game. Well, they got Bama and Ole Miss at home, back-to-back weeks. Then they go to Auburn. Then they get Florida and LSU at home after a uh, bye week. Uh, so they have a bye next week. Then they get Florida and LSU at home back-to-back weeks. And then they end the year at Mississippi State and at Missouri. I mean, the way their schedule set up, A, it's a little funky with a, a 2-1 by 2-2. But – they still got two tough games after this I, I mean, when they're at home. Like, they got all their tough games at home right now. 
And you, you just got to wonder how they're able to play on the road because they only got one true road test this year. This is it. This is their only road test. Can they actually win this game? Before the year, I said no, and right now I say no. You know, and, and, and it just comes down to Arkansas, everything Arkansas has been good at in the years prior that could give them an edge in this game, they're not good at this year. Their defense isn't good, and they can't run the football. Like, the, their offensive and defensive lines aren't very good this year. It's not dealing with football. Yeah, they're an 8-4 and four team, in my mind, and they may get an outback goal, and that's what I'm hoping something we can get. But, you know, 8-4, I think they lose to Auburn, and I think they lose to LSU. They beat Florida, they beat Mississippi State, and they beat Missouri. 8-4, and four, considering the expectations this year, was, what, six or seven wins. Brett Bielema did another good job as a coach, but he's got to get that defense better. But 8-4, and four, but here's the deal. If they lose tomorrow – or Saturday, they're one and three in the SEC, right? So they're one and three. They beat Florida. Uh, that's two and three. They lose to LSU two and four. They they they'll probably end up four and four with wins at Mississippi State, Missouri, in the SEC. I don't know where they're going to put them in the bowl. You know, whether in the pecking order of who makes a bowl, but eight and four is a good season when you play in the SEC, especially when you you beat TCU on the road. That's a like, that wasn't a gimme. You know, That was, before the season started, that was a, a tough game. But this is the same team that beat La Tech 21-20. to 20. Uh, A&M beat them by 21. Uh, Bama beat them by 19. Ole Miss, they beat them by four. I just think coming off that win last week against Ole Miss has really got them kind of not as hungry. Had they lost to Ole Miss, they may come out – firing a little bit more, but I think Brett Bielema is realistic. This team is they're going to finish 8-4 and four this year. I do not think they beat Auburn. And I'm not saying that because I'm an Auburn fan. Um, I just think they're going to beat them. There's no doubt in my mind. I feel I feel strong about this game. And it, I wouldn't feel as strong if it wasn't for the defense, like you said. That defense will keep you in any game. As long as you have a defense with offense that's going, Watch out, baby. Watch out. Well, if you'd like to call in, 646-716-5564. We're going to talk some more college football. Wisconsin in a Big Ten matchup, one of those ugly noon kickoffs where you watch game day and you it comes on and it's in Iowa. God, it's got upset written all over it. Wisconsin coming off a huge emotional loss overtime against Ohio State. Jonathan traveling to Iowa. I was winning this game. That's a house on it. Yeah, I mean, this is a tough game for Wisconsin, and they, they've been in the midst of a, of a tough schedule. There's no doubt about it. We talked about uh, this six-week stretch that they have that is just it, it's kind of, you know, a lot of people are going to go, well, that's unfair. And, you know, it's got a point. You play the three best teams, at least we thought were going to be the three best teams in the East, and then you get uh, the, their two biggest uh, opponents in the West, and Iowa and Nebraska. Uh, obviously, a noon kick on the road is very difficult. Iowa's a good team. It's funny how this year everybody's kind of forgotten about them. And, you know, they, they're winning. Like, Iowa's going to win like eight, nine games. Uh, so, I think uh, it's going to be a tough game. I'll, I'm not ready to make an official call on it, but I'm with you. I think this has upset potential written all over it because um, you, you cannot sleep on Iowa. And, you know, Wisconsin, that's such a tough loss last week. I mean, they, they, they should have beat Ohio State. Well, here's a game that's got upset alert written all over it. Illinois traveling to Michigan at 330 Eastern. This 
Jonathan, upset alert, right? Illinois at Michigan, 36.5 points. 36-and-a-half points, Fred. We're not even going to talk about it. But I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think Ruth Chris is offering any kind of deals anymore because of Harbaugh's cheap ass coming in there and uh, getting a glass of milk and a steak and not paying for it. But, you know, he got milk because alcohol wasn't included in that discount, but milk was. So he got him a glass oh, of milk and a, a steak. Yeah, milk. Well, glass well, of milk. From what I've been told from the people I know in Michigan, uh, that glass of milk thing—he actually has a sponsorship with with a co- with a milk company up there, and that that was the whole thing behind behind the glass of milk. Um, crybaby, uh, and, crybaby uh, milk. Yeah, uh, I, I, hey man, you know, if for for Michigan, this will be an interesting game. Can they cover the spread? I don't know. I recommend everybody actually stay away from this game uh, entirely because. Michigan can. There's no doubt about that. They should beat Illinois by 50 points. But they got to go to Lansing next week. And you know the team is yeah. looking ahead to that game. They ain't going to lose to Illinois. Really. That ain't going to happen. But they're going to win by 20-plus. But I don't know if they cover five-plus uh, do, do, do you honestly think Michigan is looking at Michigan State right now thinking about that sorry team? I mean, Yes, after scared. last year? After last year? Yeah. They're, they're terrible. This team is so bad. I gave up six, and they get blown out. I mean, what a joke. I must be the dumbest person in the world to pick Michigan State well, to beat anybody. I mean, Michigan hasn't beat Michigan State since 2012. They haven't won in Lansing since 2007. I mean, Michigan State, for all intents and purposes, has owned Michigan in the past eight years. They've won seven of the past eight. Okay. Well, I'll believe I mean, you that, then. That's a yeah, big game. Right. Until you beat them, until you've got to fly Tennessee beating Georgia or Florida this year. You just have to get that monkey off your back to, to get to your next goal, right? I mean, that's what they look at. But there's mm-hmm. goals to everybody's season. When you open it up, Michigan was to beat Ohio State, to beat Michigan State, to, make, to win their division. Uh, win the Big Ten and number five to make the playoff. That's everybody's goal. There's a couple teams on there, and I guarantee you, when the season started, Michigan State was on that list because you can't lose to Michigan State. Speaking of Michigan State, they're two and a half point favorite on the road at Maryland. Give me Maryland all day long because again, you say Michigan thinking about Michigan State. I guarantee you, Michigan State thinking we stuck this year, but if we could just put it together one game and give it all for Michigan, we will. Watch out for Maryland getting the upset uh, Saturday night. Yeah, I agree. I, I think Michigan State definitely has a look-ahead uh, game right here. And I mean, my only question is, how good is Michigan State? I mean, how good is Maryland? Because uh, I, I don't, I don't think Maryland's that good to be completely honest. I, I think those they started the year at four and zero, and everybody's like, uh oh. Is Maryland actually good? And you're like, no, no, they're really, they're really not. Just, just wait for it. You know, it was kind of like North Carolina State all those years. North Carolina State's four and zero. This is a contender. No, guys, wait till they get to the conference schedule. Just wait. Just because they beat Old Dominion by twenty does not mean they're good. Uh, and that's Maryland this year. Now, with that oh. being said, DJ Durkin's done a good job of getting this Maryland team to even play football. Well, well, yeah, I got a game for you, man. I got a game, and Jason Humphrey's going to like this game. We're going to talk about Oregon, Cal. I mean, 
is there really a winner or a loser in this game? I mean, that's Oregon and Cal. At Cal, 10-30 kick. Oregon's getting three points. And this is, I don't understand why the line's so low on the road. If this was an Oregon, it'd be different. But does Oregon have a chance to win this game? And is this a must-win game? Because I know Helfrich is talking about the season starts this Saturday. But Cal's not a terrible team. Didn't they beat Texas? Yeah, but is Texas good? No. I mean, you know, the the, the thing with Cal is Cal lost to Oregon State. And that, that was a bad loss. There's no doubt about that. But Cal lost their best receiver in that game in the third quarter. Uh, and their starting quarterback actually injured his hand uh, in the third quarter of that game, which led to him having his worst output of the year, Davis Webb. I don't think he hit 200 yards. Um, so, he you know, I, they, had a, they, they had a bye week last week. It sounds like Webb and Chad Hanson, the receiver, are going to play. And if they play, if they can play under 100%, I think Cal runs with this one. But they have to be 100% because if they're 80%, it's going to be a dogfight again because Oregon State beat Cal. And that's why this line is three. With that being said, I'm laying the three all day. What's the – I will tell you this. Jason, I see you in the queue. If you want in, press one. If you want to talk about your Oregon dog. If you're uh, driving on a train, do not do not press one. But I want to talk to you about this game. But the over-under in this game, 87 and a half. I don't think I've seen an over-under that high. It's Hawaii and Tulsa or somebody. I can't remember who it was. But 87 and a half? That's usually the Pro Bowl, 87 and a half. That's usually about the over-under. But, but Jonathan. I mean, good Lord, if you if you bet over in this game, you better hope they score every a minute and a half. I mean, this is, that's a lot of points, which makes me want to take that over because Oregon cannot stop anybody. Cal can't stop anybody, but I don't know if Oregon's offense is good enough to score every time. That worries me a little bit. Jason must not be able to talk. Let me try to bring him in and see. Let's see. Hey, Jason, can you talk, man? Do you want to talk? Is your phone messed up? Is your finger broken? What? Hey, Russ. Hey, buddy. Hey, I can't talk. Are you going to play for Okay. So I'll just listen. All right. All right. All right, buddy. Stay right there, then. Well, can Oregon win? Is this a must-win for Helford? I know Jason Humphrey's ready to see him go. Jason saw the light. It's Johnny Cash saw the thing, you know, or who's or who was that? No, Hank thing, Hank Williams thing. And I saw the light. I think Jason saw the light. Uh, it's time for Helfrich to go. And if, if that over unders like that, he gives up 50, 60 points in this game. Uh, you think they fire him, Jonathan, this weekend? Oh, I mean, if Cal drops 50-plus and beats somebody, you know, I mean, if I'm looking at, all right, so what is he going to take for this over to hit other than just a complete ridiculous shootout with, like, an overtime or two? Um, Cal wins this game 56 to to 35. I mean, somebody's got to get fired. Somebody's got to be fired. I mean, that, 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 may that, 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 that may be the score of the game right there. That's 91 that goes over. Cal covers. 
Jason Humphrey makes it angry. I'll give it to Jason Humphrey, though. He's a loyal fan of Wayne Sports Talk, and he shows up regardless, unlike Quinn. Quinn, when the Bears lose and Auburn and Notre Dame loses, this bastard can't even be found. You, you put out an Amber Alert, and Quinn can't even be found. <laughs> Florida State gets stomped in the ground. Jonathan shows up. Auburn gets stomped in the ground. I show up. Oregon gets stomped in the ground. Jason shows up. Quinn, he's a fair weather. He's good when things are going good. But the guy's a train wreck when his team suck. And he ought to be used to the Bears and Notre Dame sucking this year. I mean, they've lost every year, every game they've played. I mean, at least Auburn's doing well, considering, I mean, if you think four and two, that's, it's better than Chicago and Notre Dame, that's for sure. But um, Auburn's have a better record with. than the Bears and Notre Dame combined. Think about that. They, Auburn exactly. has more wins than the Bears and the Irish combined. That's hysterical to me. That is pretty bad right now. That's, that's pretty bad. Luckily for Notre Dame, Brock Kelly won't be fired this week because he's not playing. You lose to Stanford the way you did the other night, embarrassing to be up 10 to nothing and lose to a shitty team at Stanford. I'm sorry for my language. I know this is a rated G show, okay? But it's – that just pissed me off to watch Stanford beat them, to watch Brian Kelly put in a backup quarterback. Anyway, I'm going Cal in this game against Oregon in a shootout. But oh, I, I agree. I can't pick Oregon until they give me a reason to. Does that make sense? Until Oregon shows me 100%. that they're capable of winning a game, I'm sorry, I can't pick them. Jason, I love you, man but I can't pick Oregon until they show me they're capable of stopping somebody. And that's, that's what I'm waiting on. Um, another big game, not big game. This is a, I saw an article. Tell me what you think of this. Char- LSU is, or Charlie Strong with the top of LSU's list right now. Are you kidding me? Do you think LSU is going to hire Charlie Strong? Are you really serious right now, people out there that think that? Really? Jonathan, what's wrong Why? with you? Why, 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 why would LSU go, oh, he's failing at Texas, so let's hire him to be our head coach. That, that is dumb. Whoever's saying that, you're dumb. That, no, no, that ain't <laughs> happening. Stop it. If there's any coach oh. from Texas getting hired by LSU, it's Tom Herman. Yep. And here, here's the, here's the, finally the, the game that gets Charlie Strong fired. Are you ready for it? Kansas State go this on. weekend. Noon kickoff, they're going to beat Texas. I don't know how bad they're going to beat Texas. That point spread's low, but if he loses to Kansas State right now, it's time to go, Charlie. Let's fire him, leave him at the airport. Don't let him come back. And, and you know, Texas, this is your own fault. You you had Brown sitting there. You, I mean, even though, yes, he, he had a losing season the way he, he didn't do as good as you expected, you fire this guy, you bring in Charlie Strong acting like he was all that just because he was great at Louisville. Now look what you got, Johnson. You've got a team that can't even stop anybody. Mac Brown's defenses at Texas were usually pretty tough, weren't they? And and his offenses weren't bad either. But Charlie Strong has no clue of what he's doing as a head coach. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I'm going to say it right now on air. Charlie Strong was lost on the sidelines. He needs to be a 
the high school football coaching right now, not college, or defensive coordinator at Florida State, like you said. But right now, as a head coach, he he's tilting. It's like a poker game when you go on tilt. That's what Charlie Strong's doing. Kansas State, a disciplined football team. They're not very talented. They'll get it done Saturday. But, I, but this is a game against a fire, Jay. I mean, I, I agree. I think that there is a shot uh, here that um, that Texas goes down. Kansas State is a scrappy team, especially at home. Uh, it's a noon kick. You know, th- th- this is definitely a game where I think Charlie can lose his job. Now, my thing with Charlie Strong is he'd be a good head coach if he could recruit the state of Florida like he wanted. That way, he built up Louisville by just by recruiting the state of Florida. That was his whole thing. Uh, you know, and, and you go to Texas, he can't recruit state of Florida from Texas. He's got to recruit. He's got to be able to recruit the schools in Texas. You know, so I, I think for Charlie, you know, if I was USF and Willie Taggart gets hired uh, to be a head coach somewhere, I'd hire Charlie Strong. I'd do that right away. Uh, he's proven he can recruit in the state. There's no doubt about that. He, he you know, he, he showed it when he was at University of Florida. He showed at University of Louisville as a head coach. He didn't recruit the state of Florida. He's a good defensive coach. You know, he brought in a good offensive coordinator. Now, Charlie Strong knows that offense ain't his game. This isn't a coach that, like uh, like Will Muschamp, where he stepped into the offense and was and tried to change it. Charlie was always trying to get an offensive coordinator to get an offense to make this thing work. That was always his thing. So, you know, I don't think Charlie's a bad coach. I think he was hired to fail at Texas. I really do. And, then, you know, you look at the defense of their Mac Brown, people kind of picked on him. You know, the defensive coordinator at Texas uh, from 2008-2010 was a guy named Will Muschamp. Pretty good defensive coordinator, right? We saw that at Auburn. Yeah. His, you know, his, his defense, defense at Florida was good. Offense was terrible. Uh, defense in South Carolina right now is actually not bad. The defensive coordinator after him was Manny Diaz. Manny Diaz was defensive coordinator, was defensive coordinator of Mississippi State last year. Uh, he's a D.C. at Miami now. People think he's a good defensive coordinator. And, you know, so, so the Big 12 obviously is not good to defensive coordinators. And, and I, I think that for Texas, they need to get a Texas guy, not a te- you know, not former Texas player kind of thing, but they need to get a guy who can recruit that state. Chad Morris down at SMU. That's somebody I'd call. I mean, well, he, how well he's, does he his, know Texas, though? How well does he know Texas? He's from Texas. His whole, his whole recruiting class last year was kids from the state of Texas. It's the first time in recent history uh, that anybody can remember that a, 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 coach, a school's recruiting uh, class was only from one state. His whole class was from Texas. See, you know, that, see, that was the guy who was the OC at Clemson. And I know we talked about this when Charlie Strong was hired, and one of my big concerns was, look, he has no relationships with any high school coaches in Texas, like Mac Brown had, Art Riles, though even Bob Stoops. And he had none, and he never really worked to get those. Even today, from what I hear, he's not really developing big relationships with high school coaches the way most coaches would, you know. And uh, – which is another reason he's going to get fired. But, yeah, you have to bring in someone that can recruit Texas well and knows that people trust. And it's not about, like you said, a former player. I mean, sometimes that works. Most of the time it doesn't. 
But anyway, I, I think it's over no matter what. No matter what. It may not be this weekend, but he's going after this year. And, and I know Texas thinks they can hire any coach they want to, but I want to say not so fast on that because if I'm a coach, and I know Texas has a Longhorn network, how big, how attractive is Texas right now? To me, it's not that attractive by the way they treated coaches in the past the way they do, the way Charlie Strong didn't even be – he wasn't even wanted when he was hired there. I just think Texas is a spoiled football team that's acting like a, a baby. They don't want anybody to join their conference. I mean, here's the deal, Big 12. Get the number of teams to play a championship game or you're not going to play in postseason play anymore. That's what you do if you're the commissioner. So that's what you do if you're the NCAA or over the playoff committee. But Texas is the main reason that the Big 12 hasn't expanded, Johnson. Well, and I know we, we hadn't talked about uh, yet, you know, how uh, the Big 12 had that conference, uh, that press conference, and essentially said, uh, hey, we're not expanding now. We're, we're kidding. We were, we were we, you know, we were talking about it. No, no, we're kidding. And it, it sounded like it was pretty split, but it sounded the, the two main powers in that conference, Oklahoma and Texas, put their foot down and said, no, we're not, no, it's not happening. Um, and they, they dictate rules. I mean, Texas is like, Michigan, and it's like USC, uh, where, you know, when Michigan was bad in the Big Ten, people thought the Big Ten was bad, and now that Michigan's good, people are like, well, the Big Ten might actually be good. But, you know, they went through that stretch where they were just trying to figure it out and get back to winning. USC right now is still trying to figure out how to get back to winning. You know, these are programs that they're prestigious programs because of their history and their tradition, but they're not winning right now. And we don't think it's a good job. You got to figure something out. You need a coach to fall into your lap. Harbaugh fell into Michigan's lap. I mean, you know, if, if he didn't, you know, essentially burn the bridges in San Francisco, um, he wouldn't have gone back to college. He'd still be in the pros. If he hadn't gone to Michigan, I don't know if he would have taken over the coaching job in Michigan. So, you know, you need to get lucky like that. And, you know, that's why, I, honestly, Chad Morris, I think, is the best guy for, for the Longhorns right now. He's from Texas, went to Texas A&M. Coached at five high schools in the state of Texas from 1994 to 2009, um, and then he was the OC at Clemson. Now he's the head coach at SMU. This is somebody that knows that state so damn well, and has proven he's a good coach, at least as an good as point. an offensive coordinator. I mean, that's somebody I think the Longhorns need to go grab right now. Well, that's a good point. That's not a name I've heard a lot, but hey, that's a good. Good point right now. Well, if you'd like to join us, 646-716-5564. Tonight, Jonathan, we're going up against Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton and the last debate and all the WikiLeaks stuff coming on, coming out. I just cannot believe Hillary Clinton's not behind bars right now. Just want to throw that out there. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to watch the Cubs and the Dodgers instead of the debate. So, well, I'm going to be watching the debate. Flipping it back, I mean, you can always watch the Cubs and the Dodgers in between. You know, it's going to be on for like six hours probably, so I'll be able to catch some of them. But, uh, hey, here's some <laughs> good news about Sunday. The Carolina Panthers can't lose another game. And can't lose, let me tell you this, okay, when you lose to the Saints in your post-game conference and you come out looking like a pimp and then you run out crying, you get asked the wrong questions. Grow up, man. You're 1-5. The chances are you're not going to make the playoffs this year because the Falcons are a little bit better than you thought. Um, 
Jonathan, I don't think Carolina makes the playoffs this year because of the defense. I'm just thinking this defense is pretty bad. If the defense was good and it was something they were struggling with, trying to find an identity to get rolling, it'd be different offensively. But this is a defensive problem that can't be fixed in a season. You can't fix these issues uh, over a bye week. Uh, I would be shocked if Carolina finished the season with a winning record, 1-5 right now. 9-7 and seven would probably get them into the playoffs. But do you think they can win? that many games. You think they can win, what, seven out of, or what, what is it? They get to nine, they have to win eight games. Eight out of ten, do you think they can win that? No, no. I don't think Carolina finishes above 500, and to be honest, I, I think they draft top ten. Um, I think Ron well, Rivera I mean, might if get... You're smart, if you're smart, you tank, right? You tank on purpose, and you, you're you not going to make it this year. Go ahead and rest up. And, and free agency, you have to do something with a defense. You know what you do? You go find Alabama. Go find a team like Florida that's got these corners that are good and everything, and go, go grab one right off the bat. That's what you do. Or you well, trade I mean, to it, get somebody. Uh, Carolina has offense. I mean, it has issues on the offensive line. They have issues in the secondary. You know, so what you got to do is with your first three picks in the next draft, you need to address that in free agency. You need to try to address it. You know, I think this is a team that they haven't had a left tackle since Jordan Gross left. That's obvious. Um, and that that's a hole that you need to fix. Defensively, Norman left, obviously, it's a lot better than any of us actually anticipated being. This front yeah. seven is not, is not as good this year as we was hoping it would be. So, I mean, if you're Carolina, you got to go get two – you got to get – to be completely honest, you got to get four corners to bring in the training camp. And not like the Baltimore Ravens where you get four undrafted guys. You need four legit corners to bring in two Thank that you. should start. Two that definitely need to start. And that's it. Carolina has serious problems. Ron Rivera needs to worry about losing his job. And that, that, that's a shame, yeah. saying, you know, looking at what he's done with Carolina, considering what they were before. But you How can't have these ups and downs. How long have I talked about him not being, not needing to be the coach? I mean, he's lucky that Cam Newton's there. Uh, this guy has not earned his paycheck. And if you're Carolina, do you go Cam Robinson? Do you try to get him at left tackle and start him as a rookie? Because it's hard to find a dominant left tackle like like a Cam Robinson at Alabama right there. There's not many out there. If you could go ahead and get someone like him, Blind side ain't gonna make it. He's not gonna cut it over. He can't stay healthy. He sucks. Um, I think maybe you know you draft in that second and third round corners, uh, secondary people. That first round you get Cam Robinson, but you hit a home run in free agency, or you know you don't pull a trade off because you don't want to get rid of some of your players unless it's something that's going to benefit you. But letting Norman go was the biggest mistake this team has ever made. And I think it was an arrogant move at that. I think it was, hey, we're we're Carolina now. It's kind of like we've arrived and through you and Norman leaving. He all these the all these linebackers can't be as aggressive now because they can't trust that that, that wide receiver is locked down one on one with Norman. Norman held his own for the most part. Yeah, he got beat sometimes, not many times, but. You can tell there's not an aggressiveness anymore in this Carolina defense. They're not aggressive. They're playing on their heels, and they're not playing downhill. I mean, is that what you see? Because that's exactly what I see when I watch them. 
They're just on their heels all the time. Yeah, I mean, there's obviously a, a lot of issues, and it's in Carolina, I think, um, you know, you need to figure it out, whether it's going to get somebody like Desmond King from Iowa, who might honestly be the best corner in this draft coming up, um, or Cordray Tankersley from Clemson. I, I think the kid, I think Tabor from Florida is overrated. Um, I think he's more mouth than he is production. Uh, I, I think, you know, the, you look at, Maybe you bring in Jabril Peppers to play that hop, to play safety for you. He's not a linebacker; he's a safety. Oh, let, let's be let's be on. He's a, he definitely is a, a key on the hybrid role. No doubt about that. But you got to figure something out here. Carolina has a lot of issues. There's a lot of problems here, um, and, and it starts with the back four in that defense and the front five in that offense. You know, you, you yeah. when your offensive tackles look like turnstiles. You have a serious issue. And the lose to the Saints, I'm with you. Cam Newton's press conference was embarrassing. For him to come out there and, and barely answer questions on reality for 90 seconds was a joke. Can you not for once just sit there and answer legitimate questions? I get it. You don't like losing. Nobody likes losing. But can you not address something? Can you not just say something? You're supposed to be a leader of this team, and when it comes to the press conferences, you might as well be a four-string quarterback. Yeah, and you think you would learn after all the mistakes he's made in the past with the Super Bowl, what he did, is look, okay, I made the Super Bowl, I lost. Here we are. Be mature enough to sit there and answer questions and quit being a – I mean, I'm a Cam fan, but I'm starting to lose a lot of respect for him. Before, I I gave it youth, you know. You're youth. You're you're young. But now that's, that's kind of getting old, that excuse. Now it's a, a character issue to me. Uh, it's like, okay, you, you're a grown man. You're making all this millions of dollars right now, and you're a bitch. You're whining all the time about stuff at press conferences. Nobody likes losing, but you know what? When people lose and you sit there and be the same as you were after a win, that's when you've arrived. And, and he hasn't. Peyton Manning after a loss was classy. During, after a win, the same. He was classy. You couldn't tell sometimes if Peyton Manning won or lost the game after a, after a game because he was the same. That Cam Newton was going to have to grow up, get over it. You're one and five in a terrible division right now. Your only hope is everybody else collapses, which is possible. I mean, Atlanta, they've been known to collapse. Tampa Bay sucks. The Saints suck. Carolina sucks. So you have four teams that suck. And if you could somehow do what you did a couple of years ago, finish seven and nine and win the division. That could be pretty cool, but that's the only way they could get into it. Well, I think Quinn's in the studio. I see him now. Uh, he missed our, our talk about him, but the Bears are playing the Green Bay Packers this week on the road, and something's wrong with Aaron Rodgers. We've been talking about that for weeks now. Don't know what it is, but they're at home Thursday night, divisional game, seven and a half point favorite over the Bears. This is not even close, Jonathan. I, I think Green Bay wins by at least 13. Well, you know, it's kind of funny how Brian Hoyer is the best quarterback uh, in, in Chicago. You know, and people like to pick on Brian, and I get that, and that's fine. But, I mean, he, he honestly is. Oh, yeah, we're sunny. I mean, Brian Hoyer is better than Jay Cutler right now. Um, and and, and I, I think for the Bears, they're going up against a stout defense in Green Bay, at least 
against, you know, if you take away the Dallas game, which was just embarrassing defensively. But I think Green Bay has issues offensively. And if their receivers can't get separation, Eddie Lacy's out. Uh, so they're going to be relying on a little bit of a running back by committee this week. I, I think the Packers are the better team, and I think the Packers win. But, I mean, it, you know, for Chicago, I think, can't keep this game competitive because I think they're better offensively right now than they have been in years past. Well, let's see what Quinn thinks about it. Quinn, welcome to the show. And to start it off, the Chicago Bears suck. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. Um, I mean, with how Rodgers is with how with how that team has been playing, and I get that that defense did well the first couple weeks, but I still don't buy into that Packer defense. I think uh. I think the Bears could keep it close. The Packers should win. But uh, if it comes down to a close game within two minutes and the Bears have the ball, they probably won't win just because just cause there's one thing that Hoyer doesn't have that Cutler did have, and it was within two-minute situations at the end of the game when Cutler could drive down the field, and Hoyer has proved the last couple of weeks that he can't drive down the field. And really it all depends what Bears' defense shows up. Um, the Bears' defense has been pretty inconsistent this season. Like, uh, they played really well in the first half against Jacksonville, and then... Uh, proceeded to give up 17 points in the second half when they shut them out in the first half. So it it really all just depends what defense shows up. But it should be close. I, I think it'll be a one-touchdown game just because of the I, – I don't feel the Packers are that good and, Rod, and Rodgers is declining, and I think that's because of Mike McCarthy. So – yeah, well, we'll see. He is he is struggling, but I mean to let Jacksonville come back, Quinn or uh, Jonathan, like they did the other day, just kind of put a put an exclamation point on the season for the Bears. I mean, you can't lose games like that against teams you're supposed to beat. There's not too many teams the Bears are supposed to beat. But Jonathan, you lose a game like Jacksonville, I think that could put you in a, in a bigger tailspin. And that's why I think Green Bay blows them out. They haven't had enough time to recover from that that loss. Here we are Thursday night. Green Bay didn't play well. They lost, got embarrassed by Dallas. Chicago lost at Jacksonville. It's like, which team wants it more? I think it's Green Bay right now. Green Bay has to have it. Chicago's 1-5. Green Bay's 3-2. and two. They fall 3-3. Three and three. Then their toughest schedule's ahead of them. They're in trouble right now. So, Green Bay has the win. Yeah, I agree. I do. I do think Green Bay has has to win uh, this game. And you know, Chicago to lose the way they did. You know, last five minutes, Jacksonville puts up ten points. Uh, you know, all seventeen came in the fourth quarter. But you know, there comes a point where, uh, you know, I look at Chicago and it's like, well, you suck. You know, you're gonna win three, maybe five games. You're better off not winning at all at this point. You know, if you look at Chicago, you look at Green Bay. Green Bay needs to win because they're they're trying to be a, they're a playoff team. They want to be a playoff team, and they're trying to keep pace with Minnesota, keep that at least close. 
Whereas with Chicago, you're competing with Cleveland, Jacksonville, the Jets, the Chargers, the Niners, the Panthers, the Saints, the Bucks uh, for uh, for a top ten pick for a top five pick. That's all you're doing. So I mean, there, there's no incentive for the Bears to win. Yeah, I would lose on purpose if I was the Bears. Uh, if I was Carolina, I would lose on purpose the rest of them too and get me that that top pick that I need. And I know people frown upon that and everything, but hey, it's strategy, you know. You just lose out on purpose. Well, let's move to a game that matters. Minnesota's on the road at Philadelphia. Um, Philadelphia is up and down. I just I can't imagine them beating. I couldn't imagine beating Pittsburgh when they did. But this defense against this young quarterback, I think Minnesota beats them. Uh, usually I'll go with the home team in this situation, Jonathan, but uh, Minnesota's defense is going to smother this kid, and Philadelphia is going to start heading in the, the downward direction. Yeah, I agree. I don't see the Eagles being a playoff team. I know they're, you know, they're three and two right now, and, and that's fine and dandy. But you know, this defense isn't that good. They they haven't really been able to run the ball that well, and you, you're still relying on a rookie quarterback to kind of lead you. And he's shown that he, you know he's going to go through ups and downs. That that that's the natural way you know rookie quarterbacks play their first year in the NFL. I mean, that just it happens. Um, so I like Minnesota win this game. I think that the Vikings defense. Just, just eats this kid alive at the end of the day. Yeah, look at look at who Philadelphia beat. They beat Cleveland. They beat Chicago. They beat Pittsburgh. That was a good win, Pittsburgh was. But then they lost the last two at Detroit and at Washington. Now they play Minnesota. And then they have to play at Dallas and at New York, the Giants, that is. And then home against Atlanta and then back to Seattle, Quinn. Uh, Philadelphia is about to be – yeah, they're about to lose about five straight. At least as I can yeah. see, they're about to be a three and seven team all of a sudden. Yeah, and and the the big thing is that hurt them against Washington is they're they're without their starting right tackle because he got suspended for ten games for uh, PEDs, and so and their backup absolutely sucks. So he's they're gonna. They're, Minnesota's probably gonna shred him and they're gonna they're gonna feast on him all game and yeah, I think it'll be an ugly game. And hopefully once hopefully once can uh, not get injured but if Minnesota gets to him enough there might be a chance that he gets injured. Well there's not too many games to talk about, but one little topic before we go tonight. Um Jonathan, I'll start with you. When should Romo should should Dallas play Romo when he's ready to come back, or should they continue with uh, Prescott? I, I'm from the school of thought. I think Romo should play. I think Romo is a better quarterback. And Dak's been hot. Yes, the team has played well, but at the end of the day, you put your best player at quarterback, and that's Tony Romo. I know a lot of Cowboys fans out there are, are talking how great. Dak is and forget Romo, but there's no way Dallas wins the Super Bowl or makes it without Romo being in there. What do you think? I mean, the Cowboys are five and one right now. Hey, you know they keep winning. I, I, I you know, it's, it's Sonny used to harp on this how terrible Dallas's offensive line is, right? 
That offensive line, Ezekiel Elias run for, what, 800 yards? Dak Prescott ain't get hit that much. You know, and so it's like, it, was the offensive line really that bad? No. The Cowboys have the best offensive line in football. Why? Dak gets rid of the ball quick, and if there's pressure, he can move. Tony can't do that. Tony holds on to the ball way too long. That is something that, we, that we've seen. Uh, so, you know, I, I would leave Dak in there. You're winning. You know, the, the 49ers faced this question um, when Alex Smith went down and they brought in Kaepernick, right? And, and everybody's like, well, you know, Alex Smith should get his job back. Why? Kaepernick's rolling right now. Let him keep playing. What happened? San Francisco went to the Super Bowl. They lost on last second uh, when, uh, you know, Crabtree couldn't get, you know, come down with that ball in the end zone. That was it. That was the whole game right there. So, you know, I mean, I, I think – now, you know, if you, I would leave Dak in there because if you're playing well, why mess it up? Oh, yeah. Go ahead. You have chemistry. You don't mess that up. They have a really good offensive line. They have Ezekiel Elliott, who he can give the ball. They got pretty good wide receivers. I mean, I mean, you keep you keep Dak in and ride with them because because if you go and switch. It can it can mess up the whole entire team. So you you stay with Dak and and you know Dallas is already doing it. They're saying, oh, Tony's not ready until week ten, and they're gonna keep on pushing it back because they don't want to say just Tony's the backup. So so they're already in the process of pretty much saying, Dak, this is your team now. But but they're just kind of not telling everyone else and just saying, oh, Tony's not ready till week 10, and then it'll be week 13, week 14, because they just don't want to say that Tony's the backup quarterback. But Tony will probably, at at the end of the season, at, they, they may trade him, and it might be smart, and it would especially be smart for some teams to possibly be interested in Tony. Yeah, this is a team playing with a lot of passion, a lot of energy. I never saw that with Ryan, honestly. I never saw the team rally around the guy. But, Johnson, you make a good point about him getting rid of the ball quick. They do have a great offensive line. But they're just playing good. And and I I know Romo's a better season quarterback. He can throw the ball better downfield. But maybe that's not what you need right now. Maybe what you need is what you're doing. And uh, I don't know. It's it's going to be interesting to see. But it, could you imagine putting Romo in, and all of a sudden they lose, and then they go in a landslide and just lose four or five in a row and not even make the playoffs? Good lord! I mean, that's a that's a they've done it before. But I, I mean, that, I would, that, I that's that's my bigger thing. I trade him. I would yeah. kill him though. I would trade him. I would trade him and let him go to the Jets or someone like that, the Bills, somebody that could use a quarterback to help. You know, he would he would fit better in the AFC East with with Tom Brady. But having a having Tony Romo in a division like that would give you a better chance, I think. He'd be better suited. But Dallas right now, Prescott's young. He's got legs, he can run. It's just it's tough. I think I think Romo's the better quarterback because of his you know, his season. But again, Romo's never made it deep into the playoffs, has he? 
No, I mean that that's been the thing about him. Yeah, Romo would also he'll probably get hurt again taking a shower or something between now and then, so it doesn't matter. He's gonna get hurt. He's gonna get traded. Quinn nailed it. He's gonna get traded. They gotta trade him. You can't he's not gonna be anybody's backup. And I think that's what, what Quinn was talking about is you keep prolonging, you keep saying, Okay, it's gonna be this until you work out an agreement with another team and you trade him. You get rid of him because you you don't matter. it's like Auburn's offensive line right now. Remember how we was talking about Jonathan and Quinn? how they made that change, and they're saying that Dampier's hurt, but he's really not, but they made that switch, and Auburn's offense has been going right now. Jonathan, I would shoot the coach if, if I come up Saturday and see Dampier at center. And it's not that, that, I mean, okay, you got hurt. Well, while you were hurt, this happened. Now we're better than we've ever been. I'm sorry, you just lost your job, right? I mean, it's just the way it goes. You lost your job. I agree. I agree 100%. I mean, you know, there, there are certain situations called for it where you just say, this guy's better. You know, a lot of the fan base might still love Romo, and that's fine and dandy, but I, I don't I, I just, I don't think he's the right quarterback for this team right now, especially with no Des Bryant. You know, Romo needed Des Bryant. Jason Witten has gotten older. He slowed down a little bit. You know, if anybody is – if there's anybody in the locker room who is saying, please keep Prescott as Cole Beasley. Because Cole Beasley's racked up, what, like 35 receptions at this point? Well, you know, he's just checking down to them. Yeah, but it's working. I mean, that's one big thing here. It works. It's working. This, you know, the Cowboys are using Cole Beasley just like the Patriots would use Edelman or Welker, just like the Broncos used Welker. You check down to him, sure, it's a check down. No, he's running design quick five-yard routes because you know you have an advantage with a player who can do that. And the, 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 the fact that this is becoming an actual debate is kind of annoying from the, you know, because if you're a Cowboy fan, you're sitting there going, you guys, you're five and one. Like, you finally got another quarterback. You have a young quarterback. Why would you want to take him out? <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, Romo's been a frustration of a lot of Cowboy fans. You're right. A lot of frustration. And now all of a sudden, you get a quarterback in a offensive line rhythm that's rolling, rolling, and then you put Romo back in and he gets sacked in the first play and you lose a game. And Look, you don't mess with a streak. You don't mess with a streak of any kind. I'm sorry. And uh, it's just the way it is in sports. You don't you don't mess up what's working. And I just think Quinn, Quinn nailed it when he first came on talking about trading in the that's what they're doing. They're prolonging this. But somebody needs Tony Romo. Tony Romo could start for most teams in the NFL right now. We're not talking about Brian Boyer. We're talking about Tony Romo, a quarterback that could take his team to the playoffs. But the bottom line is you got two right now. You know, Dallas, you don't need two quarterbacks. Now what you do is you build, you draft again, you draft a quarterback that can, that can complement Dak Prescott in the future and help in case he gets injured, nicked up, you need a backup always. But Romo's not going to be a backup quarterback at $20 million a year or whatever he's making, whatever absurd amount of money he's making. But anyway, guys, we got to go. Quinn, real quick, your prediction on Alabama A&M and Auburn and Arkansas real quick. Uh, I think Alabama wins by three touchdowns. 
and I think uh, and I think Auburn Arkansas will be a touchdown game. I think Auburn wins by a touchdown. Auburn wins by seventeen, and Alabama wins by God, I don't know. I mean, here's the here's the question: Who scores more in this game, Texas A&M's offense, Jonathan, or Alabama's defense? Hmm. Oh well. I mean, I'll, I'll go with the obvious and say uh, A&M's uh, offense just because I think Bama's going to win like 45-24. Okay. Well, here's some future lines for some games upcoming. Right now, Ole Miss is a four-point favorite over Auburn next weekend. I guarantee you that line's going to change. So, Auburn be, if Auburn wins this weekend, being a pick em or something. Michigan State, underdog 19 to Michigan. Clemson, a three-and-a-half point favorite over Florida State. Bama, ten-and-a-half point favorite over LSU and Baton Rouge. LSU, seven-and-a-half over Arkansas in the future. I'm just looking at Iron Bowl, Alabama, 17-and-a-half over Auburn. Uh, that'll be lower if things happen. Here's the big one. Ohio State, six-and-a-half over Michigan. In the shoe, what a game that's going to be! Both of those teams are undefeated. And Jonathan, this ought to make you happy. Florida State favored seven over Florida. Go knows. Go knows. Florida State oh, should man, be favored twenty over Florida. Nah, that that that, that, that easy now. Have you watched us? You guys are getting better. You're. De- I'm starting to like your defense. I'm probably going to pick you guys to beat Clemson. You'd like our defense against Wake Forest. I like it against Miami, too. Why did we drop that guard? <laughs> and the offense is regressing. Our offensive line can't protect our quarterback right now. We just lost our top receiver. Florida State has more problems than people might realize. But, yeah, uh, we're going to beat Clemson, yeah. When you live in a glass house and your name is Ric Flair, you can do anything any day of your life that you want to. Here's the Chicago Cubs tonight. Well, you may run like maze, but you hit like shit. (laughs) I mean, that's... I'm just, I'm just glad that Notre Dame's on a bye week this week, so I don't have to deal deal with that. Yeah, but I already heard they lost the bye week forty two to fourteen. They probably yeah. did. Idle, idle beat them. Idle, idle was undefeated this year. The dominant team. <laughs> they will be in the fourteen playoff. Trust me on that. Well, guys, enjoy the presidential debate tonight, Quinn. I know who you'll be rooting for, Hillary Clinton. Uh, I won't be watching. you got to watch the debate, man. You've got to watch it tonight. This is the presidential debate, the third one. Um, it's actually done by someone that's not sleeping in Hillary's bed. So hopefully we'll be able to, to get a fair debate tonight in Las Vegas. But we'll see the 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 election's right across, just right down the street. It's not too far away. So everybody go vote this year. Don't be one of those people that don't vote. Quinn, you're going to vote, right? Yeah, I'm going to vote. 
All right, Jonathan, you're going to vote yes? Oh, duh. Go Donalds. Go Cubs. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, have a good one. We'll see you uh, Sunday night. We'll get ready to talk about all these games. Thanks for joining us tonight on short notice. Talk to you soon. All right, y'all. Sounds good. Believe what? Indians in the World Series. <laughs>